from the Alex Trebek stage at Sony Picture Studios, this is Inside Jeopardy! Hello and welcome back to Inside Jeopardy, an exclusive and official podcast destination for all things happening in the world of Jeopardy. I'm Sarah Foss and today is a very special day. It is the long-awaited debut of season 40 and we are kicking things off with our season 37 second chance competition. Highlighting the return of some of the best players from season 37, we have invited 27 of them back. And over the next three weeks, they will compete in one-week competitions with the winner of each of those weeks advancing to our all-new season 37 and season 38 champions wildcard. We've obviously taped these episodes, and I think what is the most rewarding is Season 37 was obviously a really difficult year for the show. It was the year we lost Alex. It's the year we had COVID stop things for quite a while. So these are players who also played during guest hosts. Like these are players who had very unique experiences. They weren't able to have their family in the audience. You know, they didn't have a traditional Jeopardy experience. And having the chance to come back, so many of them shared with us just how grateful they were to have a chance to come back to the Alex Trebek stage, to be a contestant, to have their family in the audience, and just to have a second chance. I think it's something that many of our contestants have wished for for years. As we know in Jeopardy, it's a lot of sliding door moments. You know, if you're on a show where your categories pop up, you may be a champion. Another night, you may not be. So when you watch these episodes, you're really going to see just how strong these contestants are and how so easily had just one small thing gone differently, how they could have been a champion on their first run. Another exciting thing about Second Chance, this is the first time we're getting to award our new prizing. So as we had announced a while back, we are upping the second and third place prizing. Second place will now receive 3,000. Third place will receive 2,000. And just like in last year's Second Chance competition, that's the prizing that was awarded. It was kind of like a normal show's prizing for second and third. If you win your game, you move on. And that's obviously the ultimate prize. And of course, you have to win your initial game. And then there's a two-day total point of fair. The winner advances to the season 37 and season 38 champion wildcard competitions. We're going to have a few of those. And as you will know, last year we did second chance with primarily season 38 contestants. So that's why we're having season 37 second chance, but not season 38 second chance because we already did that. But for our season 37 and season 38 contestants, those who did win at least one game, you're going to see so many of them back. Those who won one, two, or three games, they're coming back for Champions Wildcard. The winners from Champions Wildcard, yeah, they go on to the TOC. And as we know now, that can lead to Masters. That can lead to the Jeopardy pyramid that Michael Davies has created. So, so much excitement in the coming weeks in this new season. It all starts today, September 11th. Season 40 is here, and as we mentioned, it will kick off with Second Chance. Now, today on the pod, to kind of help celebrate the launch of Season 40, we are really taking you inside Jeopardy. You've heard us talk over the past year that we've had this pod about, you know, those audience Q&A sessions and the, the interesting things that we get to learn about our hosts. This was something that, of course, Alex always loved doing, and it's something that Ken and Mayim are now doing as well. It's such a special moment for our studio audience. You know, you can see the look on their face when they get to raise their hand and ask the question that they've always wanted to know the answer to. But 
we thought it would be fun for our Inside Jeopardy audience to get to hear some of those responses. So we've gathered some of our favorite Q&A moments to share with you today. Let's get right into it. We start off with a question for Ken, and I would say this is the one he gets asked probably the most often. For Alex, I feel like the thing that people would always ask him was, what's your favorite meal? It was chicken, rice, and broccoli, in case you wanted to know. And boxers or briefs became a really hit trend, and he would often like to say, commando. Alex always loved a joke. One of the other questions that he got asked so frequently was what he thought about the SNL sketches about Will Ferrell impersonating him on those famous Saturday Night Live Jeopardy parodies. And he always said, you know, that's the reason I shaved off my mustache. I was trying to make it easier for Will Ferrell to impersonate me because he always had that silly fake mustache that looked so ridiculous. So he had a lot of humor with that. And I learned a lot about Alex over the years from those Q&A sessions. And I continued to do that with Ken and Maya. So as I was saying, I think the question that Ken gets asked the most often is, do you enjoy being a contestant or the host better? Let's hear what Ken had to say. Well, here's the thing. You know, being host, you have the responses in front of you. You have a lot more job security. <laughs> As these people well know, two-thirds of all Jeopardy contestants are gone after half an hour. You know, it's, it's the worst job security in the business. But a host is actually doing a lot more things. You know, as I, as I told her, I'm playing the game along with the contestants at the same speed. But I'm also trying to, you know, frame the game for the home audience. I'm having to make some judgment calls along the way. So, you know, Alex just made it look easy for so many years. So it seems like the host has the easy gig just reading stuff. But I find that it's pretty difficult. All right, our next question is from Mayim. And she was asked, did you watch Jeopardy as a kid? Here's what Mayim had to say. Did I watch Jeopardy as a kid? I had watched Jeopardy as a kid. I wasn't like a every night everybody sit around and watch Jeopardy family. But yes, and when I was 14 years old, I was on a TV show where Alex Trebek guest starred as himself. So I have like a couple Jeopardy connections from my youth-ish. Um, we were a Trivial Pursuit family. Uh, well, really more me and my brother. My dad was a teacher, and so he was always grading papers. And my mom was also a teacher, but was usually making dinner and also breakfast for the next day and also lunch. So <laughs> evenings were a little different. It was kind of a divide and conquer. I can relate to being a Trivial Pursuit family. I think Maya and I are of a certain age, and that was certainly very much a part of our childhood growing up. Ken is also often asked about when he started watching Jeopardy. I started watching shortly after the show came back on the air in 84. I was a 10-year-old kid and my family lived overseas, but every day after school, we had the Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. And for whatever reason, the Pentagon decided we were gonna watch Jeopardy every day after school. There was literally nothing else on. So me and all my friends became huge Jeopardy devotees in the fourth grade. And it really meant a lot to me at that age, you know, seeing smart people show off a little. And I feel like it really made me who I am. I feel so lucky to be here. This next response from Mayim is probably one of my favorite that I remember her answering the question. It was regarding how she got the role in Beaches. And I was a huge Beaches fan growing up. So I was, you know, leaning forward at the judges table to hear Mayim's response to that question. Gosh, I haven't been asked about Beaches in a minute. I was the young Bette Midler in Beaches in case people are wondering why we're talking about that. Thank you. Um, I had recently started acting because I liked acting in school plays and I thought that meant I should audition for things. And I was, uh, I guess, 12. 
and I went through a series of like four months of auditions and I was one of the only non-redheads auditioning um, to play Bette Midler. My parents always said I looked like Bette Midler and Barbara Streisand from the time I was old enough to look like Bette Midler and Barbara Streisand, which apparently was like at age three or four. And so, yeah, I would go in and I, you know, was competing with girls who had been acting their whole lives. So I was really kind of out of my league. I, I remember I would, you know, show up in like tie-dye shirts and sneakers. Like I was not a polished, you know, Hollywood kid. So felt very out of place, never thought I would keep getting called back. And then I got to meet Bette Midler and Barbara Hershey in like a big soundstage for our final audition. It was down to me and one other girl, very exciting. And then it filmed uh, on Coney Island. It was supposed to be Atlantic City, but we filmed it in Coney Island. Um, and it came out the week of my bat mitzvah. That's just a fun fact. And that's how it happens. That's how she ends up as that famous CC Bloom in Beaches. As a follow-up to that, an audience member asked her, do you still keep in touch with Bette Midler? And here's what she had to say. I have interacted with her, but you know, back in 1986, seven and eight, there were no cell phones and you know, grown adults who were very famous and you know, 13-year-old kids often didn't have a lot to socialize about. But I think we were both on like Access Hollywood or you know, like a, a talk show and she had been on the week before me and she recorded a little message for me, which was very sweet, just saying she's really proud of me and all that I have done. So that was really nice. So a connection of sorts, I guess. So not exactly the same, but along the same lines, Ken was asked, did you ever imagine you would become a television star? Here's what he had to say. <laughs> no. I was talking about this one. My friend Earl, who I tried out for the show with in 2003, is here today. And at lunch, we were talking about how even after all my shows had taped, my wife and I were like, eh, it doesn't really, nobody really gets that excited about who's on Jeopardy. You know, you're going to get recognized like 10 times tops. Like we had the over-under at 10. So everything that's happened since has been an incredible surprise. But what a delight to be, still be associated with my favorite show after all these years. I feel like the kid that wins the chocolate factory. Uh, the other hosts all got sucked into the chocolate tube or whatever. Like, doc Dr. Oz is still up there somewhere, I think. That wasn't the first time that he was asked that question. And when he answers it, you can just so genuinely see that he still can't believe that this is his job. And when you picture him as this little 10-year-old kid in South Korea, you know, hopping off the bus and watching Jeopardy to think that one day you'll be hosting your favorite show, it's a pretty great story. Factors ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. When my schedule gets busy, it's nice to have pre-prepared, chef-created, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to my door. With over 35 different options a week to choose from and over 55 nutrition-packed add-ons, make your weekly meal planning even more delicious and easy with Factor. Plus, Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Head to factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 and use code Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. That's code Jeopardy50 at factormeals.com slash Jeopardy50 to get 50% off. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. 
Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. Now, for Maya, an audience member once asked, you've been in the business for a while now. Looking back, which of your roles brings you the most happiness? You know, there's different kinds of happiness as an actor. You know, Blossom was very special. It was, you know, I was on that from 14 to 19. You know, the Big Bang Theory was nine years of my life that... Thank you, that obviously changed my life in so many ways. I was right out of grad school. I had a toddler and an infant um, who are now older gentlemen sitting in the front row here. So it was a, a really, you know, it was nine years of my life that I think I saw the most change, you know, career-wise. Um, and this is obviously a different level and very, very enjoyable. All right, the next question is for Ken. We've talked a lot about the contestant interviews here on the pod. You know, I'm a big fan. Buzzy said not as much. But, you know, for Ken, he did win 74 games initially. He played in 75. So that's a lot of stories. And one audience member wanted to know, how did you come up with so many stories for those interviews? That really is one of the hardest parts of Jeopardy, is having to come up with the interview facts, right? Before I would show up to come back on the show, I'd get a call from the contestant folks. Hey, Ken, if you could give us like five to 10 new facts, that would be great. And of course, like most people, I was out of good stories on day three, maybe. Um, what I learned, and maybe I shouldn't reveal this, is that you can lie to Alex Trebek. <laughs> Nobody's fact-checking these stories, quite honestly. I mean. There's not a staff of reporters. It's not like I claim to have a purple heart or something, but sometimes I would just write down whatever, and Alex would be like, now, Ken, it says here you like airplane food. That's crazy. Is that true? You know, just got to pass the time. You've heard it here first. Ken Jennings lies. He doesn't actually love airplane food. Who knew? But we learn something in these audience Q&A sessions every time. For Mayim, someone asked, what surprised you most about hosting Jeopardy? I did not expect to enjoy as much kind of watching while I'm up there as I do. And it's, it's hard not to get, honestly, you know, sort of starstruck by um, the contestants up here. And I have to remember that I can't be exceptionally surprised when they get things right, which I used to be. <laughs> I think I used to be like, wow, yes, you got it. So I try and be more chill about it, but it really is very impressive to get to watch the show from up there. And I can say this is really true for Mayim. She is constantly impressed and often even surprised at just how many things our Jeopardy contestants can recall so quickly. So it was something that we talked about in the beginning that as impressive as it is, just say, yes, correct. You got it. Because they are amazing and you are going to be continuously impressed by their knowledge. All right, next up, Ken was asked, is there a Jeopardy! champion alumni group? Yeah, mostly because nobody else wants to hang out with us. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, actually, that is one of the nice things that kind of happens in this show, especially today in the social media era. You know, people find each other. They actually enjoy kind of, you enjoy hanging out for the day, right? I mean, maybe you three hate each other. I don't know, but uh, like it. Like in general, you, you, know, you hang out together all day, you're sequestered like a jury, so you, know, you, you don't really think about how it's a zero-sum game and you're gonna try to cream each other. You're just kind of enjoying each other's company. Everybody's a Jeopardy fan, the same kind of person. Um, people tend to feel like they find their tribe here and then they catch up on Facebook and there's alumni groups and you know, a lot of our championships recently, like Masters, those people will all go out to dinner together and they'll 
They'll go to each other's baby christenings and, you know, they're friends for life, I guess. Maybe they secretly hate each other, but I, it looks like no. And this is something so many of our former champions and players have talked about, this alumni group that you get to be a part of after competing on Jeopardy. It really is a very special fraternity that you become a part of, and I think it offers lifelong connections. You're always going to have a great bar trivia team with some of your former Jeopardy players. Next up, a question for Mayim. What is your favorite book? Well, I'm a person of faith, so the Torah, that would be the, you know, the Old Testament, which I kind of, it's an awkward answer. Um, but I, I do like a lot of um, non-biblical books as well. I'm trying to think what I'd say my favorite is. Um, a History of Love, that is a favorite of mine. Confederacy of Dunces, which we actually spoke about, was one of my, my favorite kind of first novels that I enjoyed. You know, I read a lot of existential French stuff as a mopey teenager, and I keep trying to get my teenager to read it, and he's like, the whole world is mopey and existential. I don't want to read that. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. That's the sound of another sale on Shopify, and the moment another business dream becomes a reality. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. Shopify puts you in control of every sales channel. Whether you're selling satin sheets from Shopify's in-person POS system or offering organic olive oil on Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform, you're covered. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. One of the things I really love about Shopify is that no matter how much you want to grow or how fast you want to grow, Shopify is ready with the tools you need for every level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is truly a global force, powering Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every single step of the way. This is a possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash jeopardy, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash jeopardy to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash jeopardy. Travel plans for summer? Learn to speak like a local with Babbel. Because with Babbel, you can start speaking a new language in just three weeks. Babbel is designed by real people for real conversations. All of Babbel's tips and tools for learning a new language are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching. With Babbel, you can learn everything you need to have real-world conversations, from vocab words to culture, and all it takes is 10 minutes a day. Babbel is helping millions of people quickly and confidently have real-world conversations in a new language. I'm so thankful that I had Babbel to help me get confident before my family trip to France, and now I can be the tour guide. Here is a special limited-time deal for our listeners to get you started right now. Get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash inside J. Get 55% off babbel.com slash inside J, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash inside J. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now back to Inside Jeopardy. This next question is an interesting one. I think it's something people have always wondered about when it comes to Ken and when he finally had to face 
James Holtzauer, one of our audience members, asked, did you do anything differently to prepare for playing James? I mean, I knew I was going to be playing James Holtzauer in that GOAT tournament a couple of years ago. And I had watched him play, and he just seemed unbeatable. You know, I knew he had a very different style of play, very aggressive, um, looking for the daily doubles very early, making huge daily double wagers. And I realized that that's not my style at all, and I'm not comfortable playing that style, but I was going to have to try it to beat him. So I watched a lot of tape of James playing. You know, I figured the only way to beat that guy was to become him. And it ended up working, but ain't going to be no rematch, I'll tell you that. <laughs> You heard it here first. There's not going to be a rematch. I think Ken is very happily retired as the GOAT. I think he likes that very much, and he'll stay behind the lectern as opposed to behind those contestant podiums. Mayim was asked, do you still work in your chosen field? Do I ever work in my chosen field? Well, this is my chosen field right now. Um, you mean because I'm trained in neuroscience? Yeah. No, I, I taught neuroscience for, for several years in the homeschool community. Um, I designed a curriculum for junior high and high schoolers. I also taught high school biology and a little bit of chemistry. But I was home with my kids is what I did after getting my doctorate. They're now 14 and 17. But um, I started on Big Bang Theory when they were, you know, still a, a nursing baby and a toddler. So my life took a very different direction. I still do a lot of advocacy in kind of the science world. And I, I love teaching. But obviously, in different ways now, I get to, to share knowledge where I can. Not bad when you have a neuroscientist behind the host lectern. Very impressive. All right, the next question is for Ken. He was asked, what is your favorite clue? I mean, really, your fondest memories are like the one you get right. Like the very first game, the final Jeopardy clue was about who won the most medals at the 2000 Olympics. And the answer, you know, personally means little to me. Marion Jones has since had those medals stripped away, in fact. But, like, that's a very fond memory for me, just realizing I'm going to be a Jeopardy champion. Like, this is amazing. Everything after that, including this, has just been kind of icing on the cake. Interestingly enough, in Ken's final Jeopardy, where he talked about Marion Jones, he actually said, what is Jones? And had the judges, in this case, you know, they make decisions early on as to whether or not they'll need a first name. Had the judges decided on that clue that they needed Marion Jones... We would not know Ken Jennings. He would be a contestant who would have made a great second chance player, but there wasn't second chance 20 years ago. So again, I talk about these sliding doors moments in Jeopardy and not surprising that that final Jeopardy sticks out in Ken's mind because it really did change everything for him and totally changed the course of his life. All right, next up from Mayim, she was asked, what is the most helpful or meaningful advice that you received when stepping into this position as Jeopardy host? <laughs> well, usually, like, when people say, be yourself, that's supposed to be encouraging. But here, being myself is actually not what I want to be. I want to be the best Jeopardy host I can be, which means, um, you know, kind of curbing a lot of the, the inner monologue and, in many cases, inner criticism about the way I say things or the way I speak or the way, you know, I'm trying to facilitate what we're doing here. So, you know, be like Alex Trebek, I think is the best <laughs> advice that I sort of, you know, think about to the best of my ability. Be like Alex Trebek. Maybe impossible, but certainly a great goal to have. Along the same lines for our final question today, Ken was asked, what is the most important lesson that you learned from Alex? 
I mean, I learned a lot from watching Alex. I mean, from, from watching him host, the real lesson was, and this was remarkable, he always said the game should not be about him. You know, in the 60s, Art Fleming was always announced as the star of Jeopardy. And Alex was like, no, no, save the host of Jeopardy. Because I'm not the star. The star should be the players. The star should be the game. He wanted the spotlight off himself. And that's such a beautiful and, you know, rare thing in this business for somebody to say that. And uh, I really learned from that. You know, like, you watch him on tape and you can't believe sometimes how little he's doing. You know, less is more. He has such mm. a light touch. When it comes to, like, the bigger questions of life, I remember one of the last times I saw him, he was hosting through the cancer diagnosis, and sometimes he was in a lot of pain, but I went back to see him, and he was actually pretty chipper that day, and he, he said, Ken, I'm just getting like, I think I got 100,000 emails and letters, and people are just sending me stuff. He said, it's so great. Most people don't get to hear these nice things about them until they're dead. And I got to hear it all when I was still here, and he, he genuinely realized what a blessing that was. I'm getting a little choked up thinking about it, but like, what a, what a moment of clarity to, like, for somebody to realize what they meant to people. I think we should all try to live that way. Yes, Ken says it so beautifully. To be here and to see the outpouring of love for Alex and for him to be able to receive it before he passed was really something unbelievable for all of us who were here to experience it. And it was something beautiful in a really awful time that we all had to go through. There you have it. That's the Q&A session. I hope that you loved hearing those responses as much as we love hearing them in the studio. This is something we hope to do more of in the future because it's a little window into our two fabulous hosts, how their minds work, what they like, how they got here. It's all great. Well, we're going to be back next week to discuss the highlights of our first week of Second Chance. Next time we meet up here on the pod, we will know the first player who is advancing to the Season 37, Season 38 Champions wildcard. I hope you will join us for that. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, rate us, leave us a comment, share across social, and follow us at Jeopardy on Instagram, on Facebook, on YouTube, on TikTok, on Twitter, or X. And send us your questions to Podcast at gmail.com. See you next week. 